Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Hey, Transformers. Welcome to Transform Church. I'm super excited to have you here with us because we are in this amazing series called Different. And today we're exploring episode number three. And the title I have for you is Different Calling Than Others. God has called you and me to be different. And all of us have a unique calling in our life. Are you excited about that? Because I certainly am. Are you in? If you want to know what your calling is, well, I certainly am in. And so as I said in the previous weeks, it's coming from First Peter. And so Peter's writing to these persecuted Christians that are living under Nero's tyranny at that particular time. And if you read First Peter, and I've read it a number of times and a few times this week as well, and Peter repeats this message or this, he reverberates this word that goes right through his letter. And it's this, calling or called or you're called to be something special. You know, the word calling has a great capacity to it. It empowers us, it emboldens us, and it encourages us. If you were in your workplace among your fellow employees and your boss called you out to be the manager, you're going to feel encouraged, emboldened, you know, and going to stand up and feel like this is what I'm going to do. You know, it encourages you to be something better because you've been picked out, you've been called out. And so Peter's writing this to remind his readers and by extension us about the uniqueness of God's calling on our life. And so there's three different sort of callings that we want to explore, but we want to focus in on number three. But I want to give you the three callings right up front. So number one, it's an eternal calling to Christ, an eternal calling to Christ. And what is that? Well, it's God's will that every single person on the face of this planet comes into this loving relationship with him. As Christ followers, we, endure, we actually enjoy this enduring and ongoing relationship that we have with Christ. But it's not just for us. God wants every single person to come into this unique relationship as well. And so the Holy Spirit is moving across the land, you know, moving across the face of the earth, empowering, moving, touching, and drawing people to Jesus Christ. God says it's not his will that any should perish, but all should come into this relationship. And so that's what this unique calling is, a calling, eternal calling to Christ. And so Peter, of course, the author of this letter, knows a little bit about what this call is. In fact, he was called. If you recall in the scriptures, Peter was a fisherman. That's what he was doing for a business. And so he would go out every night and he would fish and then he would take in, you know, his, his catch and go to the market and sell it. That was his usual business. And on one particular occasion, Peter went out all night. They were fishing all night and he caught nothing. So he comes to the show. I'm sure he was frustrated, agitated and upset that he had caught nothing. And so out of, you know, the show comes this guy and he says, hey, would you go out and throw your net over the left side and, and throw your fish? And Peter's like, you know, I'm a fisherman. I've been trying to fish all night and we haven't caught anything. That's what he says. But nevertheless, if you're telling me to do that, I'm going to do it because this looks like someone important. He looks like a rabbi. And so Peter does what this guy says. 
and he lowers his net and he catches this huge catch. It's so big that he can't even fit it on his boat. And so Peter comes and he falls at this man's feet and he says, get away from me because I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy enough for you to talk to. But of course, Jesus does not do that. In fact, Jesus says, Peter, you're a fisherman, but I'm calling you to be a fisher of men. And so Peter leaves his fishing livelihood and he follows the call that Jesus has placed on his life to go and be a fisher of men. And so the second one is a temporary call to an assignment. And all of us have at certain point in our life certain sort of persuasions to do something, whether we feel called to be a teacher. You know, you want to go out and teach kids. That's an important aspect. And you feel called to do that. Or maybe you're called to be a doctor or a nurse. You know, the healthcare industry is especially important in this time. And you feel that that's what you've been called to do and that your particular persuasion is in that direction. Or maybe you're called to stand up for justice because there's so much injustice in this world and you feel that, you know, it's really important that there be a voice of justice in your community, in your neighborhood, in the city. Or maybe you've called to be, you know, a light and go out and go to the mission field and go across the world and help people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ or just do good. Whatever it is, all of us have this certain calling to a particular assignment. And so the third one is the one we want to focus on today, and it is this, a daily call to a different standard. And that's what Peter is writing to these people. And so when we think about it, what am I called to do? When you think about what am I called to do, the first thing you're thinking about is, well, what exactly is it? What am I supposed to do? But here's the uniqueness of God. God calls us to be a who before he calls us to do. God calls us to who we are before he calls us to what we do. And so if we identify who we are, it's easy to know what to do. Because when you know what you are, you can know what to do. Let me give you this example. You know, oftentimes when I'm driving down the road, you have a number of crazy drivers that just speed by you with recklessness and cut you off. Sometimes they almost hit you. And it's easy for you to just roll down the window, open up your mouth and just blurt out a whole series of words that you would not use in polite society, right? But then you remember who you are. And if you remember who you are, you know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do in that particular instance. Because you know who you are, you know what to do. And so Peter is writing to these persecuted Christ followers because they are tempted and I'm sure they were tempted to forget who they are because of what they had to endure. They were living in this society that absolutely hated them, that misunderstood them. They didn't understand anything about them and they were ostracized and looked down upon because of what they believed. For example, everyone believed that these Christ followers were cannibals. The reason being, they ate Jesus' body and they drank his blood. And this was just crazy, you know. And they, had, they thought these people were crazy because they believed in a guy who'd come back from the dead. He'd been dead for three days, they said, and then he came back alive. Who believes in that, you know? Once you're dead, you're dead. They had tombs all around the cities. They knew that they had to put away their dead. And so who comes back alive? And these people must be crazy for thinking these things. More so, these people believed in a sort of monotheistic view of an invisible God. And if you had a God, he's not certainly invisible. They had a pantheon of gods that were idols in their homes across the cities that they worshipped. And no one worshipped an invisible God. 
Is he real? And so they had sort of this hatred view and a hatred for these people that were totally misunderstood because they had some extreme views in their mind of what these people were. And so it is in this situation that Peter's writing this because he wants to remind them because they were tempted to think otherwise. So he says this in 1 Peter 2.9, For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Think about that for a second, which is, has so much weight to it. He says, you know what? You are chosen. God specifically picked you out. He elevated you. He chose you. You're unique. And then he says that you are royal priests. You haven't been trained in the priesthood. You haven't got an education to do that. But yet God has blessed you or empowered you to be a priest. And not just you by yourself. Together with all the Christ followers, you are a holy nation. You represent him. You're chosen by him. You're special to him. You're unique to him. That's amazing. And he says, based on this fact, based on this idea, he continues and he said, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you, everyone say called me, called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You know, last week we talked about who we were, where we came from. And so Peter's saying, that's who we were. We were in darkness. We were under the reign of darkness. We did things that we weren't supposed to do. But Jesus came. He redeemed us. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. We are a new creature. New creature. We've been set free from the chains of imprisonment of darkness. And we have been welcomed into the light by this amazing transformation by the love of Jesus Christ. You know, these people, they were called all these names like cannibals and weird and, and misunderstood. And they didn't actually understand anything about them because they were ostracized. And so in our present world, we're not referred to as cannibals or crazy. Most people don't think of us in that sort of fashion. But they do have names for us because not everyone loves Christ followers. Not everyone agrees with us. Not everyone understands us. And so we, in our world, have to wrestle with the same sort of labels. You know what the labels we have are? Well, self-righteous, judgmental ignorant bigots. All these things are labeled on us. And it's sad to say that some Christians have actually gone out there and done and said hateful things to take on this label. They've spewed all kinds of hate in the name of God. And they've said things to people. They've put down people. They've called them names. They told them they're going to horrible places. All of this thing. And they have not displayed the love that God has called us to. So understand the church has some responsibility. We have made some errors in the past. And I'm not talking about us particularly as a church, but the church as a whole. There have been people in the midst of us that have done things in the name of God that have not been good. In fact, they've portrayed us in a very negative light. And so Peter's writing to these suffering, despised Christ followers, saying that Christ has called you in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what you're labeled as, to be different. You have a different standard that you have to live up to. And so Peter writes this in, in verses 11 and 12, and he says this, Dear friends, I warn you as 
temporary residents and foreigners. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. You know, we don't belong to this world, but we live in it. And so he emphasizes temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. There's a war for the most precious commodity, and that is the soul between light and darkness. He referenced that earlier. And he continues in verse 12. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God who judges the world. And Peter chooses to use these words, live honorably, live with integrity. Peter is saying, he's not saying in fact, don't go out there and try to convince them to believe like we believe. Don't go out there and beat them over the head, force them, compel them and say, you have to do this, you have to believe this, you have to think this way. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, go out and show them what you believe by how you behave. He's saying, let's be authentic. Let's live our life the way that God has called us to. Before we tell people what we believe, show them how you live, right? He says, you're not going to go out there and tell people about your faith first. Live by faith. Show them what you believe by your lifestyle, by your behaviors, by your attitudes, before you tell them what you believe. And so he says, you don't have to be defensive. You don't have to go on the defense. It's not your job to defend God. God is capable of defending that himself. And there's times where we do have to defend what we believe. But in this particular instance, Peter is saying, you don't have to defend God. It's not your responsibility. Peter is saying, let your behavior as Christ's followers be your defense. When someone calls you names, when someone puts you down, when someone calls you bigots, you don't have to stand up and defend that. You just live a life over time that shows them that that's not who you are. Because you're living it based on what you believe, not to please anyone else. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus told us to do. He told us to be salt and he told us to be light. Salt brings flavor to an unflavored world and light illuminates in the middle of darkness. We are to shine, we are to bring flavor, we are not to go out there and beat people over the head with something that what we believe. And so when people say we are unsure about the things you believe, when we are not sure what you think or have faith in, we don't have to say, well, you have to look at it the way we look at it. You have to believe like the way we believe. We have to think the way we think. No, we do it with our lifestyle. Let's lead with irrational generosity in our life, in our behavior. And that's what Peter's trying to say. See, the thing is, as church people, we have to come to this understanding that we are not spiritual consumers, we are spiritual contributors. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to take, he came to give. Jesus didn't come to say, give me, he came to give away. And so, so often in our current culture, it's all about what the church can do for us. We have to have the right way. If it's not this way, then I'm going somewhere else. It's all about getting when you come on Sunday or you gather online even. It's all about getting something. But Peter's saying, no, it's about being contributors. God has already chosen you. God has already gifted you. 
God has already poured out his uniqueness in you. And now he's asking you to share that uniqueness to those that don't understand or believe or even think like you do. You're supposed to contribute the love of God through the vessel, the unique vessel that you are called to be. And so he says, let's be generous. Let's live the right way according to what God has called us to. Let's be loving rather than hating the world around us. Do you want to know what God's will is for you? I'm sure you do. I'm sure I do. And Peter says this in verse 15. So there's no doubt. He says, it is God's will. That's it. It's God's will. What is God's will? It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's the way you love. It's the way you live. It's not what you post on social media. It's not often what comes out of your mouth or what you say you believe. It's the way you live that is significant, that is important. Be confident in who you are, who you're called to be, and you love with the love that God has called us to be, to live in the way that God has called us to. That is what Peter is trying to emphasize here. You know, one of the amazing things that we're trying to do to help our people as they're going through tough times as transform is that we've had care packages that we're handing out to people that are in need. And one of the most exciting things, for me at least, is that most of them have gone to people that are not in church who don't even believe in God. That's exciting because we're doing exactly what Jesus said. We're not trying to say, here, take this so we can come to your house and tell you what to believe. Take this so we can show up at your door and have access to you and tell you that you need to think this way, behave this way, act this way, and believe that way. No, that's not it at all. We're saying here we just want to be generous. We are irrationally generous. You're not asking for anything in return. We just want to show you that you're loved, that you're special, and we are showing it because this is what we believe. We believe we are called to be generous. We've come to contribute and not to consume. Because we are people called by God to be unique. And that's what Peter's trying to say. Do you know what you're called to do? What are you called to do? What am I called to do? To live lives of integrity, to live lives that show our behavior in the light of who we are. And so in verse 21, he says this again. For God called you. Remember, he keeps repeating this. For God called you to do good even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, and he uses Christ as his example, here is the example. You must follow in his steps, Peter says. He is the one that's being held up as the example. You know, even in times when you do good and people say you do evil things, he says, keep on doing good. Keep on doing the right thing. Keep on doing what God has called you to do. And yes, at times you might suffer. People might call you names. People might put you down. People might say all kinds of evil things about you. But it's not how you defend yourself with words. It's how you live that will truly make the difference. So sometimes we don't get the promotion because what we believe. Sometimes people make fun of us when we're at school or in our universities because they think we have an antiquated way of thinking. Maybe you're not invited to a party because you're the only one left out because you think they think that you're different and you don't look at it. But Peter elevates Jesus. He says, here is the example. It's not about what everyone else does, but Jesus is our example. Jesus epitomized what we are supposed to do. You, see, you know, when people were weak, he was gentle with them. When people were rejected, 
He was loving towards them. When they misunderstood what he was saying, he was patient with them. When people sinned, he forgave them. And so what did Jesus not do? Well, Jesus was not proud. He was not arrogant. He didn't go around slamming people, telling them off. He was not condescending. He was not defensive. He was not hateful. Jesus was none of those things. And so Peter describes his Savior. And he uses these, the weight of these words. Think about what he's saying for a second as I read. Think about how amazing these words are. He lifts up Jesus as the real standard for us as Christ followers. And he uses these words that are so powerful and amazing as he describes his Savior. He says in verse 22, He never sinned, nor even deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Look at what he says. Jesus never sinned. He wasn't deceitful. He didn't retaliate when people insulted him or cursed him or accused him. He didn't retaliate in that fashion. And he says, this is what we have. And it's an example. There are people who hate God that do good in this world. You know, they don't even believe in God, but they do a whole bunch of good. They volunteer their time. They give generously out of, your, out of their finances, even more so than some Christ followers. They show up to events. They show up to causes. They're generous in what they do with their life. But they are unbelieving people. But yet, you think about it in this way, there's lots of people that do good stuff, but we're not called to just do good stuff. We're called to a higher standard. We're called to be radical in our behavior, and it's the greatest calling and a greater calling than others. Peter continues with this thought. He says, what is different about you? What is different if you're just behaving the same way? When other people do good and you do good, it's the same way. No, that's how it is. You know, normal people, even if they do good, when people curse them, they curse right back. When people do evil to them, they want to go back and retaliate in the same way. When people hate them, well, they hate right back. When people do wrong to them, they want to do wrong right back. When they criticize, they will criticize. That's how most people that are good behave. But Peter's saying, no, that's not what you're called to do. That's not what I'm called to do. That's not the standard that Jesus is asking of us. Here's what we are called to do. And he says in verse 9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. Again, he says it, called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. That's what Jesus asked us to do. Jesus said this, as radical as it was in that time, he says, if someone asks you to go a mile, well, you go two miles. If someone asks for the shirt off your back, well, don't just give them your shirt, give them your jacket too. Then he says, love your enemies. They hate you, but I want you to love them. Bless those that persecute you. Bless those that curse you. 
do good to them that do bad to you. That is the standard for us as Christ followers. And it's a higher standard than those that are normal, those that are in the world, those that say that they don't believe in God, even though they do good. But our standard is much higher. And why should we do this, Peter says? Well, this is why. Because you are chosen by God. You are his representative. And that's how he was. And that's how he acted. And that's how he behaved. So if you're going to represent him, then shouldn't you act the same way? Shouldn't you behave the same way? Shouldn't you have the same sort of values? You're chosen by God. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation. You are a loving people, particularly chosen, unique, and special by God. God picked you out to be his unique people, and he wants you to represent him. So when people are down and depressed, when people are going through difficult seasons, well then, you need to be on call, because that's what God has called you to do. When family members betray you or curse you out, well, you forgive them. When neighbors can't mow their lawn, you show up with your lawn mower and you mow it for them. When you feel left out, don't feel that way. Include people, even though you might be left out. When people take advantage of you, continue to love them and forgive them. When people are short of groceries and you're on the grocery line, well, pay for their food without any expectation of any return. When people need church, well, then we welcome them with open arms. We need to understand that we have to be a church that reaches unchurched people. We don't need another church in Melbourne that does the same thing as everyone else. We need to be a church that does what Jesus asks us to do, and that is to love people that might not even be lovable because everyone else does the same thing. We are called to a uniqueness. We're called to love those that are rejected, those that are despised, those that are abandoned, those that are left out, those that are ostracized. We're called to love them, even when they don't love us. You know, when, when doctors are on call, that means that when surgery is ready, there might be an emergency, there might be an accident where they have to come in immediately and do some surgery. They are on call. And so they receive this call saying, you need to come in right now because there is an emergency. And the same way God has put us on call in this world. Because there's going to be times, unexpected times, inopportune times, times that might be inconvenient for us, but God says, you're on call. It's time for you to pray. It's time for you to show up. It's time for you to love. It's time for you to give. It's time for you to be generous. It's time for you to be what I've called you to be. And that's what he asks us to do. To be called to be different. To love radically to do good to those that don't love us, to represent God who loves us unconditionally, to love those that might not be lovable. Because again, we are chosen by God. We are royal priests. We are a holy nation. We are God's particularly unique and special people called by God to do radically things that are different than anyone else around us. As we live in this this lockdown in Victoria, wherever you are, you might be un- not be under the same circumstances we are in Victoria, but we have this lockdown, which means we also have a curfew from a certain time, which means we can't be out doing things we normally do in a world, and so we're under certain restrictions. And so in order to get anywhere, you need to have a permit, you know. And so my wife, she's in the healthcare industry, she works nights, and so we continue to pray for her during this time. And she's taken on that mantle. And so to get to work, they've given her a permit. 
which enables her to be out beyond the time that she's supposed to. So if the, the police do stop us and they do stop checks all the time, we just whip out this permit and go, we have a permit, we have access, we have the ability to go where we are not supposed to go. And if we translate that into our present circumstances, you know, the world says you can't go there and you can't do this. The enemy says you can't say that and you can't behave like that. You can't think that. You can't believe that. But God has given us our permit because that's the mantle on our life. We have a permit to go everywhere in a dark world. And so when the enemy says you can't, God says, yes, you can. Why? Because I'm chosen. I'm special. I'm a royal priest. I'm a holy nation. I'm called by God to go and touch, to live, to love, and to love a world that's radically hating us, but to love them regardless. And all of us have been put on call. That's our calling in this world, and that's our calling in life. And so if you want to know what it is, First Peter confirms we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation called to be unique unto God. And that's what you and I are called to do that's different than others. Wherever you are, I hope that these words that Peter has spoken to them that are under persecution, to us in a similar situation, because it's the exact same circumstance. It might be hundreds of years apart, but we are called to the same calling that Peter says to these persecuted Christians. And so you and I are called to be radically different than others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you for your words that continue to remind us about who we are in this world. We're called to be different. We're called to be unique. We're called to be special. We're called to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable, and to embrace those that are rejected and far from your grace. We have this calling. And so, Lord, help us look with your eyes to a world that might not like us, might not even accept us, but that is not what we're called to be based on what they think. We're called to be what, based on what you think and what you've called us to. So help us live a life to reach, to empower, and to bless those around us. Let our behavior, let our lifestyle, and let our choices be evident to those around us that we believe and we follow, and that by our behavior, many will come to glorify you. So we thank you, we honor you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.